0: Welcome to the Fierce Mothers Podcast, where we provide inspiration and tips for mothers so they can experience more joy, fulfillment, and excitement in their lives without burnout or guilt. We are so excited to have you on the show. I am your host, Ugochi Onyu. Today on this episode of the Fierce Mothers Podcast, I sit down with Duwe Akinye De, the Chief Information Officer of Residio Technologies, Inc., a Honeywell spin-off with over $6 billion in annual revenue. Dupe, a graduate of the London School of Economics, embarked on her career journey as a certified accountant at Ernst & Young in search of career opportunities and inspiration little did she know her path would lead to a remarkable career in technology leadership. With over three decades of experience delivering value through people, processes, and technology, Dukwe is a passionate leader dedicated to nurturing her team's growth and creating value in every endeavor. But that's not all she is. Dukwe is also a dedicated wife, a fierce mother of three, and a wanderlust traveler with a passion for reading. In today's episode, Dukwe gives us a glimpse into her life, exploring her guiding principles for both life and motherhood. We discover the key tenets that have steered her incredible journey from her early days at EY To becoming a CIO. Dukwe discusses her leadership philosophies and how she inspires and mentors others, especially women, on the path to executive leadership. This episode is filled with insights, advice, and inspiration for our fierce mothers and aspiring leaders. Hey, Dukwe. It is so nice to have you on the show. Finally. How are you? I am great, gochi Thank you so much for inviting
1: me. And thank you for having me. Such an honor,
0: too. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm so excited because you are one accomplished woman. And of course, we know each other super well. So this is just so great for the audience to get to know you. And to that point, maybe you can just kick it off. Tell us a little bit about yourself. What was childhood like growing up? Who made the most significant impact on your childhood and why? That's a lot of questions.
1: one. <laughs> 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 well, I, I'm going to say good, good afternoon or hello to your audience. So my name is Dukbe am born in Lagos, Nigeria. I'm uh, currently the CIO of Residio, which is a global commercial and residential uh, smart home uh, manufacturing company. Uh, I'm a mother of three. Uh, a wife of almost 30 years. Wow. Uh, which, uh, and um, live in the Midwest. I've lived in multiple different countries, but I've made my home for almost the last 20 years uh, in the Midwestern part of the United States. That's really much about me. I, I'm, a, I'm a seasoned traveler. I'm just a lover of life and very passionate about what I do, which is c- technology enablement. But as you know, I have a very interesting, I think, or, or different childhood. I grew up in a polygamous home, a very diverse home. Uh, my father is uh, from the western part of Nigeria, from day My mother is Igbo, uh, or Ongwa, because when I say Igbo, they correct me that she's not Igbo, she's Ongwa well, people. <laughs> and uh, I had a stepmom who was German, mm-hmm. and so I have half, uh, half some, uh, German siblings, and I have another sister who's half Ethiopian. Mm -hmm. And we all grew up in the same household, (laughs) grew up together, multiple different languages spoken. And, uh, you know, it's part of who I am. I am number six of uh, eight siblings or eight children. And so, you know, the number there is very important because, as you know, by the time you get to the sixth child, you're pretty much insignificant (laughs) at that point in time. You know, nobody cares. You're not the youngest. You're not the eldest. You're not the only girl. So you're just stuck there in the middle. And I think a lot of my life has been about making sure that I didn't remain insignificant in mm. the midst of all those boisterous uh, siblings that I grew up with. Yeah. Um, you know, My father was a very strict man. He was an engineer. He was very tough. And uh, his only language of love, quite frankly, in my house was excellence in education. That's the only thing you got brownie points. For in my house. Otherwise, you know, life was was pretty, I don't want to say tougher than most, but he was not a a loving person at all. Mm -hmm. And so very early on, you know, we learned that in order to be significant in any way that, you know, education was very important and excellence in education was very important. Mm -hmm. You know, after that, the next things that he valued were just hard work and discipline. And, you know, he always taught us very much about having to solve our own problems by ourselves. He used to talk about intellectual laziness, which, you know, I don't particularly care about, but I heard it all the time. Oh, daddy, I have a problem. I need this. I need that. And he'd be like, okay, so go, go, so figure it out. You know, Those were not his words. He would probably say something like, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and then we would just be looking at each other. So either that, or you go figure it out. You know, so I think as a young child, I developed a lot of grit, you know, working to solve my own problems because I definitely couldn't rely on dad to solve them. And, you know, at the time, I wouldn't have thought that it was fun if you told me whether we enjoyed that. I think me and my siblings were extremely close, but we spend a lot of time just talking about how hard our dad was, how hard our dad was. But quite frankly, as I look back in life, I appreciate that because that is what has really made me who I am today the ability to go through adversity to go through difficult times to work through difficult situations and to always look at them with a solution oriented mindset mm. uh, it's almost like growth mindset right people always talk about but for me i always say it's solution oriented mindset mm. looking at every single thing i look at life that way i look at every obstacle that i come across that way that okay there's just figure i just haven't figured it out yet yeah My mom was an unbelievable force for me. She was our, our, you know, our our love person. She was the Mm -hmm. person who encouraged us, who supported us. She was the one who brought us to the Christian faith, Mm -hmm. uh, which was very important. And that serves as the other side, the other side of my back or my backbone, which is my Christian faith and my faith in God and faith in Christ, which I would not have uh, been able to attain that without my mom, or you know, maybe I would have, but she was a big influence in that area. She was a giver. Uh, she was a nurturer. She was, uh, you know, one who would give her last penny to uh, somebody on the, a total stranger on the street. And uh, there was a, a learning and a, a training that I got uh, uh, from that as well. And I think, you know, my mom, you knew yeah, my mom very well. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So those are the two sides of the coin of who I am, quite frankly,
0: and
1: uh, some of what has shaped me from my formative
0: years. Yeah, for sure. I did know your mom. I still remember her smile. She was, you know, she'd walk in a room and literally, I remember as a child, would light up the whole room. I still remember that. She was amazing. And you talk about there's so much that you haven't talked about that I'm hoping we will unpack because, you know, I've known you for a super, super long time. I think... I think I was four or five (laughs) or something, you know, I've known you since then. And I, I can attest to the fact that you've come, you've grown, you've, you've always been someone that goes after goals and achievements. So as we're talking about that, I'd love for you to share with the audience your journey to becoming a CIO. So I know you went to QC. I also know you went to the London School of Economics. You've you've gathered a lot of accolades along the way. You didn't just wake up as a CIO. So talk to us about your journey to becoming a CIO. What inspired you to pursue a career in technology leadership?
1: You know, I wish I could tell you that there was some great plan pursue (laughs) technology and leadership and that I had this all planned Uh, but the reality is that I did not Um, I I don't even know I think I didn't I envisioned a career in technology probably somewhere in my mid to late 20s and it was not planned at all I've always been a very good student we talked about achieving excellence and everything that you do and that background that I had and yeah I studied economics as my first degree at University of Lagos And then as you alluded to, I went on to, I thought I was going to make a career in finance and accounting. And what was driving me really was just a desire never to experience poverty, right? I'd been through a stint uh, growing up where I'd seen some challenges that my mother went through. The challenge to myself was that would never be me. Mm. And so my focus was really on how do I achieve, you know, excellent results in whatever. And what do I need to do? In order to make sure that I put myself in a position where I don't experience the the type of poverty that uh, for a while there in, in my childhood we experienced, mm-hmm. and you know, I quite frankly I looked at all these bankers and financial services, and you look at you know movies that you see of Wall Street, and you're like, I'm like, mm, that kind of looks very interesting. You know, I want to be that Wall Street banker in my uh, penthouse suite somewhere in downtown Manhattan and my red Mercedes. And that was the only motivator. And I figured, okay, I'm good at math. I love math. And I went down that path. I took a master's in uh, international accounting and finance, the London School of Economics. I actually trained as a chartered certified accountant in the UK. So I'm actually a certified accountant. I spent a lot of years going down that track. And quite frankly, I got my first real, I'm going to say accounting job working at Ernst & Young. And when I got that job, I realized that I hated being an accountant. I got set up as an auditor, as working, doing audit work. It was just not for me. There's no creativity, no, no disrespect to any of my accounting brothers and sisters out there, but there's no creativity for me in accounting. It was all about compliance, and that is the nature Of accounting work and finances a lot of it is about compliance i never actually got that job in in the bank or financial services organization i applied to a boatload of them after LSE, and i got zero and so it's about okay what next do i do if i'm not going to be an accountant quite by chance really quite by chance i got a contract position at AT at&t and they asked me to come on and they were interested in my accounting abilities, but not for accounting or finance. They wanted me to come help them implement a new uh, invoicing or re- uh, system for their real estate business. And for folks who may know anything about AT&T back in the day, they were the largest owner of real estate in North America uh, in the early nineties, and late eighties. And so that's how I started, I guess what would be the beginning of my uh, IT type career. I spent about a year and a half there and I realized that I loved the idea of problem solving because that's really all it was. It was problem solving, but I had this basic business and finance understanding that allowed me to be able to communicate with developers and real techie people who didn't understand the business side at all. And for me, that was just easy work. I realized that after one and a half years there that, okay, I really enjoy this kind of work. How do I set myself up in order to make this a career and to really achieve the pinnacle here. And I knew that it required at that time, uh, I determined at that time that in order to do that, I would need to go back to one of the big five consulting firms. Cause that's, th- those were, if you remember back in the day, you know, all of the big wigs came out of the big five. That's what we used to call them back in the day. I don't know what, what they are now big four or whatever. I took a parallel you know journey. I went and applied uh, to that to e y again. Mm-hmm. And, I got a role in their consulting part of the business. So I didn't apply to their accounting mm-hmm. or their audit arm. I applied to their consulting mm-hmm. side. And you know, that then from there, you know, that's that that's the beginning of that. Mm-hmm. And I made my way up through the tech field uh, from there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think, is just great foundation. And any one of those big fives, they give you great foundational training in technology enablement yeah. in communication, in change management, in project mm-hmm. management all of the key things that contribute towards making you a great leader Mm -hmm. uh, in the tech space, as long as you have the interest. Mm -hmm. So along the way, I found out that I was extremely passionate about technology enablement. Mm -hmm. I'm passionate about problem solving. Like I said, I developed that. That's my way, my husband says that's my superpower. (laughs) I'm always, there's not a problem in front of me that I'm able to walk away from. Mm -hmm. And technology is just, you know, adding that extra bit of capability to help you solve a problem. Mm. So I would say that that's uh, I fell into it by accident. The accidental yeah. CIO. That should probably be <laughs> the title of my story.
0: Yeah, I'd love. I would. I would love to read that book. So you know, at what point did you realize that you had a knack for leadership? You've talked to us about how you got into technology, and obviously, with your problem-solving skills, you've grown mm. through the ranks. Did you, again, I know that it was accidental, but did you at some point think, you know, I'm a good leader. Let me start to pursue this track of leadership.
1: No, you know, I would say that comes from childhood upbringing, Gochi, you know, I I think that we were raised, and I would wager that you were raised the same way in that whatever you do, you're going to be the best at it. You want to get to the top of whatever it is. And by default, your know, leadership is the top of whatever you choose to do, whether it's, you know, being a physician or being mm-hmm. an accountant or being mm-hmm. in tech, whatever. The, yeah. So for me, it was never a question or some realization of I want to be a leader. Mm-hmm. It was more that just the natural culmination of whatever uh, profession I decided that I was going to settle on. Yeah. Uh, now, the journey to get there, <laughs> that's a different thing. <laughs> but it was always the end goal uh, or oh. part of for a, a major objective or major goal. I shouldn't say the end goal, but always a major goal in that journey of being a CIO for me mm. or being, you know, whatever the, the top job title, CIO, CEO, mm. Chief Digital. There's so many different titles, whatever it is at the top of whatever area I was in. That to me was always a natural end destination of that phase of the journey.
0: Yeah. Now, obviously, being a CIO, being in the C-suite is demanding. And I know you're a mother, you're a mother of three. So talk to us about some of the strategies or routines you've developed to maintain some kind of, because we know it doesn't really (laughs) exist, right? (laughs) Some kind of work-life balance. We'd love to hear how you balance it.
1: Oh my goodness, it's tough, Goshi, and I haven't always gotten it right, and Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that I do still now. But I'll tell you what: over the years, I've come to a place where I have to have some guiding principles that guide this journey of being a mom and being a tech executive. And those guiding principles. The reason why I say guiding principles, I love principles rather than rules. Because you can always get around rules, you can break rules, you can get around the rules one way or the other, but guiding principles, you can't get around them. Mm. And so the guiding principles that, uh, and I'll go through those first, in general, I want my children need to know at all times that they're the most important people in my life. No matter what I'm doing, I need to make sure I, I check myself with these principles, with this action that I've taken, does this advance that principle or does it not? The second, they need to know that I love them unconditionally. They need to know, number three, that I'm their fiercest supporter, defender. My greatest desire is that they should live life abundantly, filled with the love of God. So when I set those principles for myself, then I make sure that I act according to those principles I haven't always done. (laughs) I think these are things that have come later in life. So I set those principles, my bosses, the people that I work for. I, I, people that work for me, they're all very clear on these guiding principles. And so with these guiding principles in place for me now, I have, for example, an executive assistant who manages my calendar. Planning. Planning is absolutely critical. I don't know if folks know that, you know, five Ps, proper planning prevents poor performance. Mm-hmm. I live by planning, as <laughs> you see, and I live by my calendar. And so I plan and prioritize all my activities, even my children's activities, school start dates. My son is a varsity basketball player, his all his games are on my calendar. Mm-hmm. You know, if it, if it's not on my calendar, it doesn't exist. That's mm-hmm. a, a phrase in my house that everybody yeah. knows. Yeah. But yeah. you know, when you set those principles and you make them clear for the people around you, then you people will adjust to that. So in taking meetings and planning my travel, you know, I know all of the what's important. My children should know they're most important to me in my life. Mm-hmm. If my son is playing a varsity game, I need to be there mm-hmm. for him to know that he's important to me in my life. One could say that I'm over scheduled in this time, but that's what I need in order to be able to ensure good performance. Mm-hmm. I think Mm -hmm. the other thing is you've got to build a team around you that you can trust. Mm -hmm. Now, that's also both professionally and personally. Mm -hmm. So building a team professionally that I can delegate to uh, is very important. You don't have to do everything yourself, Mm -hmm. but also personally, finding your tribe, finding Mm -hmm. the other people that are doing life with you that you can rely on, that can Mm -hmm. help you with school pickups and, and you're getting a cleaner and you know, things like that, getting nannies at the point yeah. where you need them and you can afford them. Mm-hmm. Having people in your life that you can trust and rely on to help you do life together, mm-hmm. especially for me, living in in a in the middle of America where I have no family yeah. at all. And so it was important to find those people that are like family around you mm-hmm. that you can support, and you can rely on. And yeah. that was very hard because I did grow up. Being taught that you should only rely on yourself and your immediate family and just, you know, be careful of, of outsiders and things like that. So I have yeah. to overcome that very quickly. You can't do it all alone. Yeah. And then, you know, the other thing is, you will know, schedule your self-care activities, right? Yeah. What's the saying? You can't pour anything out of an empty cup. Yeah. And you need to make sure that you're continually feeding your soul and feeding your spirit, yeah. How whatever that looks like for you. And I plan those things with intent too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I get very irritable. You know, my children, my husband, they don't like me when I'm I'm not taking care of myself. <laughs> and people at work don't either. So I need to schedule those things and plan mm-hmm. those things. Mm-hmm. And the last, which is kind of funny, I, I do have an amazing spouse who is very supportive. A mm-hmm. little tip that I have for other folks who may be a little more control freaks like I am is that it's okay if dad doesn't do it my way. <laughs>
0: Yeah.
1: That took many years for me to get to. Yeah. Yes. You know? yeah I would be like, I'm not at home. And I'm like, well, you have to do this and you have to do that. I'm like, mm-hmm. no, that doesn't do it that way. When I'm not home, it's McDonald's every yep. night. And, yep. you know, I'm, just <laughs> like, I'm like, Ugh. And then I'm like, okay, well, if you're that bothered about it, then you should stay home. Yeah. Chill out. I have to get uh the... so you know, I don't know if that helps. Like I said, it's still a journey, still mm-hmm. learning new things, but uh this is how I, I managed to uh keep my sanity and actually enjoy. You got to enjoy living through, yeah. through both
0: roles, right? Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And I love how you shared that it's not about perfection. You, you know, I'm using and paraphrasing, but you really made it clear in your response that you haven't done everything perfectly. None of us have, but you shared some really important tips, which I'm going to actually be like, am I doing this as much as I can? I know that (laughs) self-care is something that is so important. You can't pull from an empty cup. So thank you for sharing that. You did talk about travel and I'd love to to know how you handle because case in point, you're away, I think it's to Asia tomorrow. So we just managed to get this on your calendar to your very, very scheduled (laughs) calendar. So how do you handle that frequent travel that comes with your role? Are there any tips or tricks you've learned to make it more manageable? So what are some things that we can all do to handle, to make travel less challenging and make it more manageable?
1: Well, you know, everyone is different. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, I actually don't like being away from my family. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, so there's only so. so I make sure that, and, and thankfully I'm in a position where I can and it took some courage to be able to get to, to be able to state, here's what I'm gonna do and here's what I'm not gonna do. Mm-hmm. So as an example, I'm never away from home for more than seven days mm-hmm. at a at a point. I, I like to make sure I'm home every weekend. Mm-hmm. I try not to, I, I make it a point not to be traveling out for work on on uh, on the weekends. So if I, have a, if I need to be somewhere Monday morning or I'm going to Asia, I better be traveling in the middle of the week. Schedule whatever meeting it is you want me to be at so that I can leave on Monday morning. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because Mm -hmm. Saturday and Sunday, that's my time with my family. So I tend, you know, so I make, again, this planning and this scheduling and this coming back to the principles. uh, That's why I love the guiding principles because they direct and guide your actions. So I tend to make it a point to not travel on the weekends, to always try to be home. Uh, at the weekends, am I always successful? No, but I'm close to like ninety eight percent successful these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, learning how to say no, I I say no. Uh, these are my guiding principles. You know, I communicate very clearly. I've got a fantastic EA who's like my mom right now, who will also communicate on my behalf. Uh, Dupay doesn't travel on the weekends, so if you want to <laughs> schedule a meeting, you better schedule it Tuesday so she can get there Monday. You know, things like that. Mm-hmm. But it took courage to be able to set those boundaries Mm -hmm. again you've got to set it with boldness my family is my number one priority Mm -hmm. i think the other the other part of it is just you know keeping we thank god for technology now even though i'm traveling i can be at home right with facetime and with whatsapp uh, and all of these i may be in a different time zone but i'm still doing homework with my kids Mm -hmm. via facetime or whatsapp i'm checking their homework Mm -hmm. checking my kids will call me what's for dinner (laughs) <laughs> Even when I'm in Asia, they'll be calling me for because my husband can't cook. And so I'll be given instructions on what 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 to, you know, you're able to do that yeah. with um, technology being that I want to do that. Yeah. Uh, being uh, because you want to still be part of their lives. When I have to travel and you know, one of my kids may have a, a game or something, I always ask another parent to stream the game for me oh so awesome. I watch it live and so these are little things that you do just to make sure yeah. that you're trying to be everywhere at the same time mm. you know one of the other things is you got to give yourself some grace too because mm. I like all like not all but a number of moms I'm my own worst enemy when I'm traveling with feeling so bad that I'm being away from these kids and I feel guilty and all of that And you know, my husband, nobody seems to understand this guilt. My kids are excited when I'm gone because they get to eat McDonald's every night. And you know, I come back and I'm feeling all guilty. And you know, nobody, you know, they they're like, oh, okay, life just goes on. So I'm learning to give myself some grace too. They will be okay, regardless.
0: And I love that you talked about the guiding principles to the point they will be okay. They know that they are the most important thing. Mm And so, yeah, giving yourself grace is so important. Thank you for sharing that; so helpful. Another question about the kids. I know your oldest now is a senior in college. Can you believe? Oh my goodness! Yes. <laughs> I
1: think she came out with me the last time. We well, no, you, you were you were yes. over at mine the last time.
0: But she the, came over oh, with you yeah, to yeah. ours too. Yes. Goodness, they have
1: grown so fast. <laughs> they
0: have. They have. So, what has it been like to see them grow and transition? Into this stage of life. Do you have any advice for parents with kids in college? Some of the older moms, like myself, with kids Uh, in college. What advice?
1: (laughs) It's like, don't do what I did. (laughs) You know what? And it's always with the oldest one, you're always learning. But having a, 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 a child transition through college, it's a very interesting phase for me. And for me, it was more about learning to let go. Yeah. And you just have to, to let go. It was really hard for me. I think my daughter, uh, who is my college senior right now, she she probably taught me. And I I, I was a hard head at learning to let go. Mm-hmm. But you have to let go and, quite frankly, just be on your knees and pray mm-hmm. that everything you've taught them through that time mm-hmm. and all the experiences that you've shared, you know, they're, that will serve them well as they move on with their life. And, that, mm-hmm. and that's a huge thing for any parent, the realization that you love this person or this little person so much is now a big person, (laughs) but they have to continue on this journey on their own with you in a different role. I'll quote that phrase, let go and let God. Mm -hmm. That really (laughs) applies to Mm -hmm. the lesson I learned in the first, my daughter's freshman year and uh, sophomore year. It was not easy. Mm -hmm. I have things like my daughter blocked me on her phone, like I was calling her too often, i call her like every day. Are you okay? Did you study? Did you read? You know? So I was extremely, it was an extremely hard journey for me. But you need to let go and trust that, you know, God, if you're a person of faith like I am, that God will continue to see them on their journey because they don't need you that much. Yeah. I think another more practical piece of information for me is that if you can't handle the answer to the question, don't ask it. And because my children will tell you all the things that they do and then all of a sudden you'd be running around running crazy that they did this my <laughs> daughter you know she called me one day and she was like oh I just drove to Detroit wow yeah. she's uh, in Ohio and I'm like you drove to Detroit by yourself in the night and I'm like what kind of dis- poor decision making is that and I'm about yeah. to go all crazy and then I just I have to hold myself back that remember all the things that you did and so you better just be quiet and and, uh, don't ask anymore so I just tell (laughs) don't tell me anything I don't ask for but just know that I'm
0: always here if you're in trouble (laughs) that's such great advice don't ask if you can't handle the answer that's that's great advice very different culture here so I'm like
1: just don't tell me And these children, they tell you so much here, you know, the kind of things, again, it's a different time, but the kinds of things that my daughter will tell me, I'm like, if I had even dreamt, I wouldn't even have dreamt of telling my own parents that I probably wouldn't be alive today. But these kids share, and I'm glad that they share, but in my mind, I'm like, okay, I really didn't need to know that. <laughs> well, it, it is. And, you know, I, my eldest daughter is 21. So, you mm-hmm. know, she's, you know, here she's 21. She's a mm-hmm. full grown mm-hmm. adult. Mm-hmm. And so I, I say that she's transitioning from my daughter yeah. to becoming my broke best
0: friend. I, I I get that. Broke best friend. That's such a good way to put it. I get that. So lovely though. So awesome. <laughs> so if we switch gears a little bit back to your role uh, as a CIO, there may be people in the audience that are thinking, you know, I'd love to go into leadership, would love to become uh, part of the C-suite someday. So as a successful woman in a traditionally male-dominated field, what advice would you give to some people in the audience that may have those aspirations as well?
1: That's a good question. I get that a lot. And I answer in, a, I guess, in a different way. And mm-hmm. I don't know that I'm qualified to give advice because everybody's journey is going to be very different, right? There isn't like a... Here's the step one, do this, step two, do that, step three, do that, and suddenly you're a CIO or Mm -hmm. in the C-suite. Anybody who tells you that, I think, is not being honest with you or with themselves. Mm -hmm. But there are some things that you can do when you want to aspire to progress in any area, in any profession that you're in, that I've learned over time. You know, one of the the first things that I learned, actually at a very young age, is that whatever you do, anything that you're doing has to have value and has to have measurable value in whatever you do. And and that's really the underlying tenet of economics, right? Value creation. Uh, If you have aspirations toward leadership in anything that, in any profession, in any area of competence that you have, you need to make sure that what you're doing today is creating measurable value.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that you, and you can measure it. It's really important, especially in the uh, capitalist society that we mm-hmm. live in. Measurable value is what drives pain, up the food chain. Mm-hmm. Because the more measurable value that you can produce, the more valuable that you are seeing to whether it's a business, to whether it's an employer, to your community, to the government, uh, anywhere in society. So as long as you're creating measurable value and you can, you in incremental fashion year over year or day over day, be bold. You know, the another thing that I want to be bold in communicating your views and your ideas, mm-hmm. you know, coming into tech space. Man, in the early years, I, not only was I the only female, I was the only black person in the room most of the time and always underestimated. People would not be yeah. looking to me first for any ideas. And so it was always a shock to people when I spoke up. Mm-hmm. And then it's always a shock when you spoke up and you actually knew what you were talking about. Mm-hmm. So you've got to make sure that you do your homework. You do your the business of studying, uh, understanding, educating yourself in whatever uh, profession or career path that you choose. You have to... Make sure that you are a master of your trade, mm-hmm. and I would say that your career comes in in three the three different or there should be three different phases really of of your career life cycle. There definitely are for me. Mm-hmm. And mastering your trade earlier on was really really important. Mm-hmm. You got to master your trade. I'm always even till today. I'm always studying. I'm always reading and going to conferences and uh, evaluating new technology. You got to be the master of your trade. Uh, Then you, as you continue to move up, you're mastering your trade, you're creating value. Then it's about how do you create value through other people Mm -hmm. by mentoring. If you want to become a leader, you have to know how to create value through other people, not just through yourself. If you're only creating through value through yourself, then you will remain an individual contributor forever. You'll be a great individual contributor. Uh, There's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. But if you do have aspirations to move up, you really do need to know how to mentor Mm -hmm. other folks uh, and how to influence other folks. Mm -hmm. And being able to communicate with people, understanding where they are at and how to get them to where they want to be. Again, Mm -hmm. you need to make sure you understand the what's in it for me, for Mm -hmm. all of your teammates and figure out how to build those teams, those high performing teams uh, that can deliver and execute. So again, mentoring becomes very important. And you know, at a certain point in time, as you continue to move forward, you need to be able to make significant impact, leave an impact, make a difference. That is what people look for at the C-suite level, your ability to make a significant impact across a broad portfolio mm-hmm. of whatever profession it is that you have. Mm-hmm. So those are like three things that I would, you know, encourage folks to consider, you know, creating value, mastering uh, of your trade, uh, mentoring, and then making being able to make significant impact. And through that, you know, finding your voice, you know, yeah. you, you have to be you. You can't lead a team yeah. authentically if you can't be who you are, be true to yourself. At least for me, mm-hmm. I found that. I tried to fake it and do other things, you know, but It's at the end of the day. I'm (laughs) ducking (laughs) it, and that's what I show up with. Yeah. Uh, So it takes some time. Mm. I say one of the most, as I've learned over time, the most effective competency of a leader is influence—the ability Mm. to influence other people. That is the currency of leadership. Uh, You know, I've learned that the hard way. I, I. started off this conversation, as you recall, saying, talk about hard work and discipline. Hard work and discipline is important at the mastering stage. To get to leadership, you've got to figure out yeah. how to influence others or how to acquire the, uh, influence currency i would say that was probably one of the most hardest things and i continue to struggle with that today to overcome
0: that is such a an important point i love that you called that out you know the power to influence others is, is critical as a leader
1: mm-hmm. you know and,
0: and to that point it kind of leads to another question i'd love for you to talk about your philosophy of success because people define success in so many different ways, right? Mm-hmm. Both in your career and as a mother. Would you say that when you started out, you had one view of success and now you have another? would love to hear about your thoughts on what to you, where what success yes. means to you.
1: Oh yeah, well, I can tell you it has definitely evolved over time. Mm-hmm. And who knows, I may go through a, another evolution of that. You know, my husband says oh, he's been married to one person but has had four <laughs> wives over the last... 30 years because I I think I've changed and evolved (laughs) all that time. Mm. When I started out, without a doubt, success to me was all about money. How am I going to make the money? We talked about that fear of poverty or being Mm. in a poverty and that's all I ever thought about. Okay, mm. my salary has to go up by X. How do I make this money? You'll go after the paper. Mm. I think, of it, and I think a lot of young people, no, no, these days they say the next generation is different, but a lot of young people at my time, especially coming out of Nigeria. Yes, like, exactly. You know, we left Nigeria to pursue yes. economic gain. You know, over the years, where I'm at now, total U-turn. When mm. I talk about the things that give me fulfillment, mm. because success to me is defined as being fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And right now, so for now, the things that give me fulfillment are seeing the elevation of the people around me. Mm -hmm. I get so excited when I see folks in my organization get promoted Mm -hmm. or leave my organization to take leadership roles elsewhere, Mm -hmm. or I see the growth of the people within my company. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, to me, that's just so exciting. Mm -hmm. You know, I have a few folks that I've mentored right from when they were new interns And I've seen them grow up into leadership positions Mm -hmm. and to know that I was a part of that journey. To me, that's the most fulfilling thing. That's what gets me excited Mm -hmm. uh, right now. Mm -hmm. Being able to raise up other people to create value for the company or Mm -hmm. whatever company you may work on. So that's the phase that I'm at now. I may change to something different. It's probably a line also to my phase of being a mother, right? Being a mother, we're all excited seeing our children grow, develop and become, turn into younger adults Mm -hmm. and to see their success and see their learning, their growth. So I I say that it's probably, you know, there's an overlap between Mm. the two based on the phase of life that I'm I find that really motivating. I do a lot of Um, events, both internally with my organization, but also externally, that are really just based on how do we help other women, other minorities. I'm passionate about women and minorities, but I always tell my male counterparts that I love them too. I do want to see their success, but I'm especially uh, particular about women and minorities because I believe that, again, the, the path that we as females tread in order to achieve The same level of success in the workplace is a little different than the path that my my male brothers have to tread as well. And so we need to create now, the other area that I'm passionate about is creating changes within corporate America that allow women, mothers, wives, single women to thrive in the workplace and not just survive. Right? I did come up through a time where a man, you made it to CIO, you survived. It really was the survival of the fittest. There yeah. are a lot of my my peers who are female that that couldn't they didn't make it. Mm-hmm. right And it's not because they didn't have a lot to offer, but the debt that was stacked against them was just so high. it was difficult for them to overcome. by the grace of God, I was able to overcome. Maybe that tracks back to my upbringing again. Mm-hmm. Mm. uh it's still a continual battle but mm. it doesn't have to be that way is what i always say it doesn't mm. have to be that way we can create environments in corporate america where women can thrive and mm. grow and mm. i think environments that have women in it make for better yes. in violence yeah uh, they make better quality they're able to i mean a, a woman can walk and chew gum at the same time i can I'd be in my house and have all of my three children talking at the same time and I can be having conversations with all three of them. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I always say there are very few males that can yeah. do that.
0: <laughs> it's the way we're wired. We're just wired that way. Yeah, yeah for sure. So anyway,
1: for any yeah. male, any of your males in the <laughs> audience who may be listening, I love my brothers. <laughs> it's not an indictment of them. Uh, I just happen to know that are yeah. some particular challenges that women have had to overcome for sure. that make us different in the workplace.
0: For sure. And then when you uh, when you put on top of that the layer of women of color on top of being women in the work in the workforce we can talk about this for hours as you know Oh, we could but yes yes i (laughs) totally has to be another podcast yes how about that part two for sure i would love that i would actually love that because i think that's really important to unpack thank you for sharing that i i love how you you talked about that thank you for giving that thorough and really thoughtful response so as we start to wind this down if you can believe the time has gone so quickly i've had so much fun i just have two more, well, maybe three more questions I'd like to ask you. The first one is how do you prioritize self-care? You talked about self-care and you talked about personal growth. You alluded to it, but I'd love to hear about what you actually do to prioritize those two things.
1: Oh, it's very easy. I schedule it on my calendar. <laughs> Remember the, the planning yes. comment? That I am truly a planner. <laughs> mm-hmm. I schedule workouts. I schedule yeah. my walking the dog. Mm. I schedule my stretch classes. Mm. I, I put them on my calendar and make them non-negotiable. Uh, mm. You have to make them non-negotiable. Now, look, I recognize, you know, right now I'm a leader. I'm a CIO. I can be more, I can be more firm around, you know, what's non-negotiable compared to what I was starting, right? So I recognize everybody's at a different phase in their in their career journey, but it's something that you can start doing. Or I wish I'd started earlier. I really wish I'd started earlier. Earlier on in my career, I didn't have the courage. And, you know, I don't know whether it's courage, but the environment was not conducive to yeah. my being able to put my full self out there and say what I was going to do or what I wasn't going to do. Mm -hmm. I feared that I would be fired. Mm -hmm. I feared that I was always having to prove myself. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about this being a minority female. Like I said, that's a whole separate podcast. (laughs) But, you know, now I, I am able to do that with boldness and with clarity. And I say, no, you know, it could be my boss, hey, I want to do a meeting. I'm like, no, at this point in time, I'm going to the gym. I even have, you know, school pickups. I, I try to make sure mm-hmm. that I do carpool, I do my share of carpooling mm-hmm. with my kids, the, my younger kids who aren't driving yet. So I have put that on my calendar, you know, and, and anybody who calls for a meeting at that point in time, even if it's my, they all know, Dupay picks up her kids. <laughs> At 3 p.m. on Tuesdays and Thursdays <laughs> when she's in town. So you know, so yeah. I do do yeah. that, and that's very, very helpful. It, it's mm-hmm. about setting your boundaries, right? Yeah. I want to call out it. It may it's easy for me to say that as a CIO. I recognize that it wasn't always that way for me, and there may be some of your viewers that are like, "Yeah, that's great, but mm-hmm. if I did that, I'd get fired." <laughs> you have to find a way to set time for yourself. I've I've been through a period of burnout before, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and uh, it happens when you don't feed yourself. Mm -hmm. So for me, self-care is not only just about working out. And when I talk about feeding my soul, that's also about taking care of the relationships that feed me. So find your, your friend group, your sister group, your brother group, whatever that looks like and make sure you're surrounding yourself with people that are feeding you. Yeah. And invest the time. It takes time to maintain those relationships, mm-hmm. but you need it. Don't give up on that either. Mm-hmm. You need those friendships. You need those people around you that uh will set you straight. You need uh those friends that will will you know, ask after your strong friends because yes. you never it's the strong ones that are yes. going through difficult times. There's a, another article I just read recently. Mm-hmm. You'll take care of the friendships and the relationships that feed you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Take time out to do whatever else it is that feeds you. For me, that's exercise. Mm -hmm. It's meditation time. Mm -hmm. It's travel by myself. Mm -hmm. I started almost 10 years ago. It might have been longer than 10 years ago. I started taking a week's vacation every February, all by myself. No husband, no kids, nobody. I love it. I just go off to a different country by myself. I love it. People thought I was nuts. I mean, I love travel. so But there was a year when I didn't take it. And, you know, I started getting all antsy. And funny enough, it was my husband was like, you need to take a vacation. (laughs) So people start noticing the difference in you mm-hmm. when you don't take care of yourself. And trust me, even in your workplace, they will do as well, mm-hmm. right? You need to take care of yourself. Otherwise, it impacts your performance. So mm-hmm. you do it, the, the the thought process of, well, I have so much to do. Mm-hmm. I have so much work to do. I have so much to do for my kids. Mm-hmm. I have so much to do for everyone else. You, you're minimizing how important you are if you yes. don't take care of yourself.
0: You are minimizing how important you are if you don't take care of yourself. The other thing I love that you said is put it on the calendar and make it non-negotiable. So thank you. That is so awesome. <laughs> thank you for sharing that. So as we start to wrap up, what what's next for Where What do you envision for the future? Not just in terms of your career, obviously that we'd love to hear about that, but also your personal life. Are there any goals or aspirations that you'd like to share with our listeners?
1: Well, you know, I have a lot that's on the plate right now. Really busy. I mean, for mm-hmm. me, I need to get all my younger kids to college and out. <laughs> that's a, that's a, a huge one. I have a, a two high schoolers, mm-hmm. and you know that that really is my number one priority to to make sure that we we give them you know the high school experience and life mm-hmm. that that uh, I think will nurture and set them up for the future and make sure they all get into college. All the distractions that pull them one way or the other. And then for me, personally, I really have a desire to begin to give back, right? I was born in Nigeria. I'm very, I have a, a lot of affinity with my mother's part of the country where she was born, which is in Abia State, uh, in Isia Langua. And I have a passion to, you know, if charity begins at home is another thing that my mother taught us right from when we were young. And so as I get older, I begin to lean more to what can I do more for the people mm. that I left back at home, mm. and even in my local community around me. So I'm looking for opportunities to use everything, all of the world experience and knowledge and any little influence that I have to figure out how we can raise and elevate other people, specifically in Nigeria. Yeah kind of what I'm, I'm going to be looking at in, in the future, at least working towards, I believe strongly that will, uh, you know, I, I don't know how that will materialize, but, you know, like I said, I'd love to work with, I remain open to all kinds of ideas, but mm-hmm. that's what I, I've been, it has been ministering to my heart mm-hmm. more and more as we've gone, you know, year over year.
0: Mm-hmm. That is such a wonderful way to end this discussion. I can't believe it's, it's gone so quickly. It's been amazing to where well, you were amazing. <laughs> Thank you again for coming on the show. It's wonderful to have you. Thank you. My pleasure,
1: Ogochi. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you to all your viewers. Ogochi is amazing. So please keep <laughs> listening to all of our podcasts. I've been following you with such pleasure, such pride, and such joy.
0: So huh. continue
1: down this passion, Agochi.
0: I will do. Continue I, down so I will down with this
1: passion. I will do.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> For listening to this episode. What was your main takeaway from this episode? What did you like? What, in your opinion, are some ways that we could improve? I want to hear from you. You can reach me at ugochi at fiercemothers.com. To learn more about Fierce Mothers, please visit our website at fiercemothers.com. And join our mailing list for our weekly newsletter. The newsletter provides powerful tips and inspiration for life. Please remember to like and subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Fierce Mothers. Follow me on LinkedIn at Ugochi Onyewu. We are building an engaged community of Pierce Mothers, so please tell your friends about the show. See you next week. Thank you.